Welcome to The Last Supper, your weekly podcast about art in Asia. I'm your host, Oscar Venhuis. Every weekend I sit down and release an episode bringing new perspectives and engaging dialogues with emerging and established artists, galleries, curators and collectors in Asia. Learn more about art in Asia with Christie's Education in-person and virtual art courses, gallery visits and webinars. Visit Christie's Education website and enter all in capital letters Last Supper 15 to enjoy a 15% discount. The website link and discount code for Christie's Education can also be found in the description of this podcast. In today's episode of The Last Supper, artist Loi Chung talked about her captivating projects, including carbohydrate fueling cycle, an exploration of the history of economic crops within the global trade context. We also delve into The Diver, a piece that she created for Green Island Human Rights Art Festival. And lastly, we re-experience Neolithic artifacts in Kaohsiung, delving into the rich historical significance they hold. Welcome, Yichung. Thanks for coming on today's podcast. How are you today? Yeah, good. Thank you for having me here. Let's delve straight into today's subject. And what I understand is that your subject of interest is the history of economic crops in the context of global trade. Do you mind to elaborate and explain to me what this means? Mm, I think I'm generally interested in history and the geography. And also, I started my work from uh, like nature materials. So during my residency in Japan, I developed my first installation that was used the material banana peels for the installation. So I think that was the start point for me to, I mean, think more about the historical content behind these cash crops. Because Taiwan as an island and since the 17th centuries, there were a lot of crops, cash crops or natural resources uh, exported to other countries. So I think in this, uh, um, this content made me think more about the meanings behind these cash crops. To understand global trade, is it fair to say that you follow political developments and commodities quite closely? Actually, I really, I mean, hate that, to be honest. But because um, we realized that in the world, everything is actually influenced by politics a lot. Even, I mean, included this uh, agricultural products. I mean, the way you exported or the product that you wanted to import it, I mean, everything is according to the politics. And especially on this point, Taiwan suffered a lot because of the very tense situation in between Taiwan and China. A lot of agricultural product will, from time to time, uh, just suspended. It means that uh, it's not allowed to export to China. So I think the farmers in Taiwan, they really suffered a lot. You can probably hear clearly the sound of the background. So let's wait until the sound on the street, I think it's on the street, has passed. This is the trash car. The music from the trash car. I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought you can. Yeah, I thought you cannot hear it. 
I think it has moved on. And so let's continue. You spoke briefly about your subject of interest. And let's maybe talk a little bit more about your recent work that is currently in the Taipei Hakka Center. And the title is Carbohydrate Fueling Cycle 1 to 3, in which you use a mix of different mediums, including sugarcane fiber, tobacco, and wax. What can you say about this work? Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, you you follow the, the latest work. Yeah, this work is the continual series that from my the, the recent work that I, I mean, developed from Bagasse, uh, that is actually focused on the sugarcane sugar industry. So this uh, work, uh, because it has uh, like, uh, uh, if I talk back about the idea, it's basically started from my interest of the cash crop. And I found the sugar, it was the earliest uh, like exported uh, commodity in Taiwan in 17th centuries. So that was during the Dutch colonial period. They built a Zealandia in Taiwan. It's basically like a commercial fort, and they built that commercial center in Tainan, the south city of Taiwan. And they export a lot of deer skin and also two crows and made a lot of profit. So that was not only happened in Taiwan. During this marine time, sugar was a very important necessity all over the world. And it also involved um, in the Atlantic slave trade uh, in Brazil and the Caribbean region. So I found that this, uh, because this high demand of sugar, um, it cost a lot of colonization and the words behind it back, back in the days. But somehow today, because of the, the health issue or people change the value towards the sugar, people started to, I mean, uh, they tried to reduce the too much sugar intake in their diet. And they even go to the gym to work out, just try to get fitter. So I think uh, the whole consequences becomes very interesting, but also ironic. Like back in the days, people love sugar so much, but today people are like a step back and don't want it to take too much. So I started from this point. I had some research in Taiwanese sugarcane industry. I visited many sugarcane factories in Taiwan. And I found that there is a very interesting uh, layers uh, because the, the modern sugarcane factories in Taiwan was built during the Japanese period, the modern sugarcane factories. And many of these contained fermentation department. That is the place they create some ethanol. And this ethanol was produced to uh, supply some aviation fuel, especially during the World War II. Yeah, so that was very interesting and also a hidden history for me. So I 
was really surprised because this sugar was initially is just the agricultural product, but it becomes a commercial product. I mean, to make a lot of profit. But in Taiwan, there is even a layer. I mean, to become military fuel. Yeah, so I started to think, wow, how this、uh, like value has developed and changed. Until today, people started to cut out too much sugar intake. So I started to use the waste of sugar, sugar cane、uh, after they made the sugar. That is the bagasse to use the fiber, and also include my tobacco threads. Tobacco was also one of the important、uh, cash crop in Taiwan, so I combined these two materials to create various、uh, gym equipment and even build fitness center in the museum two years ago. So I started to think、um, how this、uh, the value has been changed and also the consequences that. This uh, uh, tropical commodity brought up to, I mean, our society. Yeah. So in my work, you may see there are many interesting shapes of fitness equipment because they are also like resembled some weapons or agricultural tools that becomes new shapes in my gene equipment. You talked about the significance of sugarcane and tobacco. What about the wax that you use? Oh yes, because to use wax is the more recent things. I just actually I just like to try different materials, especially natural materials. And I because I have observed many、uh, sugarcane factories and also included the research trip I have just done last year in Brazil. I visited many abandoned sugarcane mill, so. I saw that also from the history archive, the process of making sugar it contains a lot of labors and people like sugarcane workers there well basically are all slaves, and the condition for them to work was always、uh, very hot and they sweat a lot, so this this wax can. Represented this、uh, stickiness feeling of sweat, it's also kind of the fat that becomes the fuel. It's also like a sugar. It's a fuel for people to have energy to burn out. So I started to try out some like、uh, wax and experience uh, uh, the combination of wax and uh, these bagas、uh, fibers, which was very interesting. And what more can you say about the title? Because it includes, or appears to be a series, because it includes the numbers one,、uh, two, and three. Well, actually, these、uh, the shape of this、uh, structure is actually from the chemical molecular structure of carbohydrate. So you can see that there's a lot of, like a balls, ball shape. Object that they linked together, it represented that structure actually. But that structure, when they linked together, is also like a cycle. So actually, what I wanted to talk about is about 
the cycle of, I mean, this modern lifestyle of a workout, fitness. We burn out our energy, burn out the sugar, and then we, I mean, find this uh, workout and exercise in order to I mean, have more impact from sweetness or something we like. So for me, it's like a cycle. And this cycle can also represent the cycle from this uh, consumerism. Because uh, in this uh, fitness lifestyle culture, it's actually a lot like a media influence, a lot input from the capitalism or consumerism advertisement. They encourage you to take more protein shake or have some tablet or some people even do some injections to get fitter or get their ideal image of their body shape. So I think a lot of the level is actually influenced, affected by this media and consumerism cycle. So for me, it's very, it's like the pattern that people for modern people is I mean difficult to avoid. And also the pattern, the cycle is like the evolution from the past imperialism to the modern capitalism. Now I'll try to describe your work to, so listeners can understand what we are talking about. What I see is there are multiple items on the floor and wall. And all these objects appear to be related to items that you can find in a gym, from dumbbells to weights and even some kind of bicycle. Most items are covered with a kind of light and dark brown matter. Is that a layer of adhesive sugarcane? Uh, the white part you see, they are from baguette. And there are some brown color is tobacco straits. I mix these two, uh, two material together, and the, sometimes the portion that I mixed with, uh, uh, with tobacco straits, the much or the less, it made these uh, uh, gradient colors. So actually, the color you, you saw on the work, they are all the natural, uh, natural color from the sugarcane fibers and also the tobacco straight. And you mix this material and attached it to the items? Yes, I mixed it with some glue and that glue mixed with the, this baguette and also the tobacco straight. It becomes like a, a mud and easy to shape it and easy to attach on, to attach on any object. I still need a, a surface, no matter it is plaster inside. For example, a lot of gym equipment, they are actually heavy because the inside is plaster. So this material, like sugar, uh, baguette, or, and also the, the tobacco strays, uh, after mixed with uh, glue, they could be easily to attached on this uh, object. I have a small favor to ask that will make a big impact. The Last Supper is offered to you at zero cost. And if you like this show about art in Asia, 
Give this podcast a star rating or subscribe to this podcast channel. Many thanks and let's continue. Another work I like to talk about is called The Diver, which you made for the Green Island Human Rights Arts Festival. What is the background story of this work? Yeah, thank you. That was a very important project for me. Because back in the days, I think my work has always concerned about the the migrations and also, for example, farmers' rights or something. It's always been like an underlayer in my work. I think I never really spoke it out loudly. But because I uh, I participated in this uh, human rights festival in Green Island, so it let me. I mean, I have to really face to the subject that was very important history in Taiwan. Uh, back in the days, um, there's a period under the dictatorship. It's around 1950. Yeah, to 90, roughly to 1980, we call it the White Terror period. During that time, a lot of people who had sought, they were just uh, under this uh, censorship. If they have done anything wrong or they are suspicious to have the thought to against the government, they will be caught and uh, probably a lot of them were sent to the death sentence. Yeah, but many of them were also uh, sent to this Green Island. This Huchu is the island on the eastern south of Taiwan. About 30 minutes by boat, you can go there. And that place has built a prison that was used for a cage, these uh, political prisons. So back in the days, the environment there was very tough. There's nothing. So these inmates, they have to, they even have to, when they were sent to the island, they even have to build their own prisons by themselves. They have to go to the coastline to dig out the reef stones to build their prison. So it was very ironic for them. And every day, they just uh, endless the uh, barrier work for them. And the condition is very severe. So they try to control their time and also even their mind. So in that prison, everyone was uh, under the very uh, serious censor- censorship. But you can still see uh, how people even though they are really struggle, but you can somehow see this toughness of the human spirit. How do they use their time to learn? Because that they still, uh, many inmates, they, uh, when they were sent to the prisons, they are actually very young. The youngest people might be just 15. It's like a teenager. So they were still young. They have this eager to learn. So they have to learn a lot of things by themselves or by the collaboration with their classmates. Uh, they call uh, each other classmates in that prison's island. And the most uh, things they study was actually uh, that time period uh, they like to absorb the, this uh, idea about human rights 
and also included some ideas from from Marx. So that was the special period in Taiwan because the ruler, the dictators, they were against the communism back in the days. So they have a lot of conflict. So these inmates on the island, they struggled. They built their own place to live. They have only very short time for themselves. Uh, one example, and that also inspired me a lot, it was there's one inmate. Um, he called Ouyang Wen. He is a painter from Jiayi, a city in Taiwan. He's a, a good painter. And usually after this uh, labor work, he got permission to jump into the ocean for a very short time. And he, he was very talented. He even used recycled, recycled wood and recycled glass to make a goggle to dive in the ocean. So that was their only very only but short period of time to experience the freedom. So compared to today, that Green Island has developed uh, into a touristic island. Most people go on the Green Island for diving or free diving. People have this right, uh, have the freedom totally controlled. Uh, I mean, by themselves. So compared to these inmates, they have only this short time to experience the, the freedom that is actually supposed to be the basic right of uh, human beings. Yeah, so I kind of, uh, I was very touched when I saw replicant of the goggle that made by the inmates. So that inspired me to try to represent this body experience of these inmates that what they experienced in on the island so i also used some uh, found object and also some very primitive materials to create a set of the diving equipment and i also dive because actually i i really enjoy diving so I dove in the same ocean that they have dove. So I, when I went down into the ocean, the scenery was really breathtaking because all these uh, uh, coral stones, when they are alive in the ocean, they are actually colorful and lively. It's very different from the dead reef that they, they dug out to create their prisons. And also the experience in the ocean, you saw many beautiful giant fish and also very mysterious caves. Everything is really fascinating and made me think a lot. And the, the most ironic thing is after you finish the diving, you come out of the ocean, the prisons were just behind, were just be there. For you so these two words one side on the land is this a very bad inactive prison but in the ocean is a lively freedom word colorful word for them so it's like the mirror to a, a paralyzed uh, to full a paralyzed word so i think uh, through this uh, uh, 
uh, physical experience. It also made me to represent more and also got the strength of their spirit. Because actually, a lot of the inmates back in the days who were captured and sent to the Green Island, they were doing the agriculture movement. So that was also related to my work, especially when I started my research about the sugarcane industry in Taiwan. Yeah, a lot of the factories workers or people who were, they tried to have some better working conditions for the sugarcane farmers. They were doing this movement. But yeah, because this is uh, government suppression, so they, a lot of them were sent to the death sentence over the Green Island. So it's also a very important chapter for me to really present and also dig out this hidden and also very important political layers of sugarcane industry. I'll post some of the images on the website, but you can see how you made the diving flippers and the tanks from recycled plastic bottles. Yes, yes. Yeah, from a very authentic soft drink in Taiwan. And did you actually use the diving equipment? Yes, I actually used the equipment to, to dive in the ocean that the previous inmates they have done in the ocean. And it it's an interesting experience for me because uh, when I was there, I kind of feel that, wow, this is the same ocean these people has experienced. That really made me a lot of feelings. There is another item that looks like a jacket. What can you say about this item? Yes, I use leather to attach the bottle. And actually inside of the bottle, there's some manuscripts of uh, like some chapters of Karl Marx's his, uh, his idea. Because uh, in the prisons, these inmates, they help each other to, to grow, to learn more knowledge. So they will just uh, write down some notes from the book they learn and pass through to each other. Yeah, so it was also very interesting uh, for me. And there is also what appears to be a pile of rubble. Is that made of coral? Oh, actually, yes, they, they were the corals. Because uh, the location I exhibit my work, it was the building that built from these coral stones by these inmates. So on the wall, you can still see that inside of the wall, they are actually the, the coral reef. So I also, uh, the coral reef is still in the coastal line. So I picked up some different shape and different sizes of uh, coral stones to build up the, some different, uh, uh, like a dose. But it's also not the dose. It's um, because on the Green Island, there are a lot of giant stones, giant rocks that has been there for it was, yeah, I mean, since Taiwan has been born. So for me, these stone piles, they are the person. It is, uh, for me, they are the symbol of uh, the, this uh, stone. They have witnessed everything. They have witnessed the change of this land and uh, they have witnessed the suffering that these uh, people has experienced. 
Yeah, also these stone piles. It's also back from my memory that people said that they finished their life in the hell. They have to one of the way to make them suffer is they have to pile the stone. And once they piled the stone,、uh, no matter how high it is, and it will be destroyed in the other day. So they have to continue this、uh, laborious work day by day. So, so some people who are alive, they try to reduce the the task of their beloved family in the hell. They will try to make the stone piles for them to reduce their task. So it's also a very touching story for me. So I used the reef stones to make the piles. For me, it's also like sending my respect to these、uh, inmates. They have this、uh, resistant spirit back in the days, and that was also, yeah, very important because、uh, the freedom we got today is actually what they fought for. Yeah, without their contribution, I mean, people in Taiwan, I mean, would be in totally different situation. This work ended in September, I believe. Yeah, and this was also destroyed by typhoon a few times. <laughs> uh, the stone, uh, they were quite strong actually, but uh, uh, because I, I print out some plastic fabric hanging on the roof. Because、uh, I print out the scenery of the ocean and hang it on the roof, and when the sun is strong, the light will go through the plastic image and、uh, turns out a lot of beautiful blue yellow lights on the floor, and it becomes like the ocean. The last work I like to address is a project that includes your interest in history, and it's called "Climbing Up to Archaeology in Norway," which looks like a collection of various stoneware items on a archaeological site map placed on a wall. Okay. Yeah.、Uh, this uh, I think uh, because I've been interested in the movement in the farmland and also the gym. So, because the muscle that people used back in the days in the farmlands is actually not much different from the muscle that people used in the gym, so they are actually build up the similar the same muscle, but in a totally different environment. So, my recent work has been exploring different contemporary exercise. From the workout in the gym, and also the climbing in the sports center, and also diving. So this climbing up to the archaeology side of Norway is one of the work that I developed from this content. And back in the days in Norway is the area in Gaoshan. And、uh, during the Neolithic time, I mean today people. Find out there's a lot the Neolithic、uh, relics, like、uh, shells or bones or even 
some part of the pottery in that area. And the, uh, after the, the test, radiation test, that is from the New Stone Age. So you can still see people already have some activities, I mean, thousands of years ago in Kaohsiung. And so I started to imagine how people live there. The, according to the archives, they do some farming and also they make the pottery. So I started to think, okay, these uh, human activities, how can I offer people a new experience to to feel it, to experience it. So then I decided to use this uh, object from the Neolithic time. I made a replicant of this uh, uh, New Stone Age object to become the climbing stones, like uh, the, the holes uh, on the wall. So people, when they are there, they can see, oh, these rocks, they are actually looks different because uh, they are the represent of our stone age period and they have different shape different sizes and people can touch initially i encourage people to climb but because it's uh, the museum center and uh, consider of this a security issue so people can like touch it yeah but uh, we don't really open people to climb up <laughs> Otherwise, there might be some dangerous things happen. The background is made of white paper with Chinese characters. I assume it's some sort of map, but what is this exactly? Yeah, actually, that is the map from that uh, region, the, the Neiwei. So it's an old map. You can see a lot of like, uh, details with different uh, altitudes altitude line and also some places that spe uh, specific are uh, there's some different uh, names of the back in the days so you can see a lot of uh, interesting information on the map so i use that uh, map and uh, reshaped it uh, into the climbing climbing wall so we talked about some of your more recent work what else are you working on at the moment? Actually, I am still fascinated about this continuing project involved. I think I still come from the content of a sugarcane industry. Because last end of the year, I have done the research in Brazil. I think that influenced me a lot. So during my stay in Brazil, I have learned a, a Brazilian martial art that called the capoeira from the local community. And that is an interesting way of expression for me. So since that, I have been learning capoeira and I tried to incorporate this capoeira move into my new work. What be kind of a performance Probably, because I've um, been interested in a lot of movements, like from the body movements to even the social movements. And this uh, Brazilian capoeira, it actually contained a very interesting historical background. It was developed uh, during the colonial time, because in Brazil, 
all the sugarcane plantations, they were built by the, the slaves that Portuguese, they transport from Africa to Brazil, especially in the northeast Brazil, Bahia. So in Bahia state, there are a lot of sugarcane mills. And in the sugarcane mills, uh, all the slaves there, they have to, I mean, from day and night, Again, they have to produce a lot of sugars for the supply. And in that territory, they don't have freedom. They will receive a lot of random punishment or a lot of inhumane treatment. So to learn capoeira becomes their, the way for them to at least escape some punishment when it is necessary. Or even have the power to fight back or escape. So this capoeira, it also contained a lot of elements from their traditional ceremonies, like the steps they move and the songs they sing. It's some songs they are singing is also like a chanting. And capoeira is, uh, it developed into a, like a street martial art. Because people usually gathered on the street and they will make a circle. And some people outside of the circle, they will play the instrument. For example, like a belling bow. It's a very interesting instrument that use the kind of melon, a dried melon with a stick, very hard stick. And that combined with a string. So that can make some interesting noise. And also the, the bandello, that is the like the drum, hand drum, and also gesheshe. It's all all these instruments are very interesting and made from. I think it's from the local materials. So people on the outside, outside of the circle, they will play the instrument. It's like encourage people who are in the center. Usually there are two people. They will fight each other with a capoeira move. So it becomes very popular in, in Brazil. And it has also been banned for a long time. But uh, until after 90s, I think, uh, after 80s, it, the government started to think, okay, this could be the, like the symbol of Brazil, a national uh, in then they encouraged it as a national exercise. So people started to, it becomes even more popular. But actually this capoeira has been developed during the colonial time and the movement of how people dance is actually very interesting for me because actually it is a martial art. But under this uh, colonialism, in the colonial time, they have to pretend it's like a dance. So from outside looking, you will see it looks like a very graceful dance, but the, it can also fight, fight back. Um, yeah, so I think it's uh, very fascinating for me. So actually, my latest work in Hakka Center, the, cycle, the fuel cycle of the carbohydrate, is actually the, I got a lot of inspiration from this research trip. Because from the looking, the structure 
of this uh, uh, of my work. The first layer is from the molecular structure of carbohydrate, but actually the second layers is about this circle, the circle of capoeira. They say that it is a hoda. Hoda it means make a, a circle. It's a hoda. So they made it a circle and represent their resistant through the body movement. And also this from outside, the looking, the shape is also like a castle from high to, to the middle to the bottom lower point. It's also represent the structure of uh, this uh, sugarcane plantation. Because uh, back in the days in these sugarcane plantation, it's actually very uh, hierarchy structure it has the master and also the slaves, and also in the architectures there, there's a highest point. It will be the church, you represent the God, and there's a very beautiful, solid house. They call the Casa Grande. That is the house for the master to live. But in the lowest place, and usually that the house is actually the hut that was built from very simple material, like a reef or some wood, wooden structure that called the Zenzala. That is the hut for the slaves to live. So this structure from the high to the, the middle strong and the, the low, uh, the bottom, and I use uh, the bottom that I use the tobacco straight and also represent the, the muddy color. So it's actually like represent what I feel in this research. So I think that that experience uh, still um, influenced me a lot. And I would like to like, uh, continue develop some ideas from capoeira or from the movement. Because actually capoeira, it also influences the modern dance. For example, the break dancing, they have a lot of movement that will uh, adapt, influenced by capoeira, which I think was very interesting. I'm going to ask you the very last question of today, Yichun. If you were to have your last supper, who would you invite and what would you talk about at your final meal? Wow. That is a very strong question. Yeah, I think for me, actually it's very difficult to answer. Yeah, but I think uh, from my recent project that I have been, I think a lot, I think I would like to invite the inmate that who made the goggle on Green Island, Ouyang Wen, Mr. Ouyang Wen, because I wanted to think uh, what they experienced is actually hard for people to imagine today. But this how the society has changed may also, I don't know if they will be happy or they will, I mean, be more critical about the, the society today. So I think if there's a chance, yeah, I would like to talk with Mr. Ouyang Wen and to have some um, 
conversation. I think. Many thanks, Ichung, for your time today and explaining more about your body of work. Yeah, thank you so much, Oscar. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Last Supper with Taiwanese-based artist Lo Yi Chung. If you like this show about art in Asia, you can support us by giving this episode a star rating and subscribing to this podcast. If you have any questions, suggestions, or wish to participate in this podcast, you can contact me on Oscar at thelastsupper.asia. You can visit my website www.thelastsupper.asia as well, or contact me direct on Instagram at thelastsupper.asia. <laughs>